Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Thank you, thank you. Well, God is so good, hey. It's great to celebrate together. While we're worshiping today, three words came to me. Regret, restore, and renew. And as Marilyn was sharing, some people, God's saying, don't keep playing over that tape and living in the regrets. You might have made some mistakes, other people did stuff, but you can't keep living there because the Spirit of God comes to restore your soul and then He renews hope for the future. So maybe stuff's gone on, stuff's happened, might have been last week, last year, or 15 years ago. Don't live with a sense of failure or regrets. Let's give it to God today. And then let him restore your soul. He's doing that. And then let renewed hope come. If that word speaks to your heart, let's just reach up to heaven right now. Father, I thank you that you help us to let go of the regrets. Lord, you heal our hearts from those things that might have been done or said or we've done. God, we give it to you because you're the one who releases and then you restore and heal our hearts and then you renew hope for the future. And I thank you that you're doing that in all of our hearts, in so many people here today. Refresh and restore in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take our seats. It's great to be in church. Wow, a bit more rain yesterday just to make the grass grow a bit more. Yeah, God's good, eh? I really urge you to come out and watch the War Room movie. I've watched it twice and read the book last Saturday. I picked it up and I read it all in one day. I could not put it down and I uh, cried tears of joy and connection with the story. It is very, very impacting. And we'll be uh, just doing two songs tonight, take the offering and we put the movie on. It'll finish a bit after 7.30. It's about a two-hour movie, but it is, it'll go like that. And it's a great movie to bring some people on the fringe of Christianity or um, just checking it out because it's just a powerful story that will hook people's heart so encourage to come on out and uh, and enjoy I want to start because the theme of the movie is on prayer we're going to have a theme of prayer for these next uh, uh, couple of months and uh, when I soon as I say the word prayer some people get guilty and think oh I didn't pray much today or last week hey forget, put all that aside no regrets we've just laid them aside I want to just stir your hearts with the awesomeness and so over the coming weeks we're going to talk about uh, prayer and Jesus prayed so much and so often that his disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. They think, wow, you're heading off early in the morning quite often, you're praying. There are times when the crowds were there and Jesus just left the crowd and went and prayed. They mate, we'd be enjoying the crowd. And he did. Ministered, healed them all, then he went off to pray. Luke 5 verse 15 says, Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him, and he healed all of their sicknesses, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Wow. If Jesus, the Son of Man and the Son of God, had to go and pray, I think, well, I need to be uh, doubling that effort. Not out of compulsion or have to, but wanting to. And I want to talk today about empowering prayer or connecting with our Lord face to face. So prayer is not just about asking for lots of needs. It's about relationship with our awesome God. And when they came to te- ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, this is what he said in Luke 11, 1 to 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. And we understand that as the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer. Jesus taught us to pray. If we go to Matthew um, chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, this is the other um, version by Matthew, which is very similar, but adds one extra phrase. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And in that prayer, there's so much. And we're, we, one, one Sunday, we might unpack that prayer more. But it starts off with our Father. It's about relationship. Hallowed be your name. It's about worship and thanksgiving. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not just about our needs being met. We're saying, God, if your kingdom comes, everyone's needs are going to be met and lives are going to be transformed and, and love and truth. Because his kingdom, there's no sickness in his kingdom. His kingdom talks about heaven where it rules. And when Jesus rules in our heart, there's no place for things that are going to destroy. So that's a very powerful, powerful prayer. And we might unpack that again um, one other Sunday. Um, and be done on earth as is in heaven forgive us our sins give us each day our daily bread so there we can ask for our needs and then the forgiveness process and lead us not in temptation there's so much in that prayer because it's a sample prayer that gives us six very powerful truths and it's interesting though jesus didn't just pray on the big decisions or events such as when he was baptized in water it says he did pray and heaven opened when he chose the 12 disciples, he spent all night praying in there. And you suddenly think, well, did he really get the right bunch? Well, he did, but they were such characters. But they were leaders, and God molded them. He spent all night praying before he picked those 12 out of all the others. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we know that incredible heartfelt prayer of, not my will, but yours be done. So we see Jesus praying in the major critical decision of life, but we see him praying every day. And that speaks powerfully to us that sometimes we pray when there's desperate need, when there's someone in the family really sick, or we lose our job, or there's crisis in relationships, or we're wrestling through a stronghold or addiction or fear in our life. We cry out and pray more then. That's fine. Draws us closer. I've always said pressure will either push you closer to God or it'll destroy you. Depends on which way you're facing and how you let it affect your life. But God wants us to have a relationship of prayer, not just asking for things. He was a son of God, but he was a son of man also. He needed to pray every day and have fellowship with his heavenly Father. Prayer is not just asking God for answers and reciting all your needs. It's great to have a prayer list. It's great to have a prayer journal. Write things out, otherwise you get distracted. How amazing that you set yourself to pray and in two minutes your mind's running everywhere, hey? I'm going to read more of the Word. Some of you had a New Year's resolution and you're, not, you're going to read a chapter of the Bible every day. Boy, what a battle it is. You start off for a week or two and then the battle comes because the enemy tries to stop you. I'm going to read before I go to bed and you wake up next morning and you went to sleep and the Bible's hit the floor and how often does that sort of happen? When you're determined to pray or read the Word, it's like your flesh resists and the enemy tries every scheme he can to stop you getting that spiritual food and that open face-to-face -face communication with God. We know it happens. God teach us how to pray and to press through those things. 
Sometimes our prayer can be motivated out of fear or anxiety. How many prayers are driven out of anxiety or fear? It's okay for that to push you to God, but then don't pray for the next hours or days still motivated by fear or anxiety. Because once you start to pray and get connected to the face-to-face connection with God, your heart starts to get filled with love. The Word comes alive. Faith starts to get in your heart. And then you start to pray in faith, not fear. You might start in fear or need or anxiety, but don't stay there. That doctor's assessment of your health or family member, that, that will bring fear if we let it drive us. But then you come and you get close to God and His presence starts to overwhelm you. think, wow, Lord, you love me. Your perfect love drives out fear. Lord, you've promised to walk every step of my journey, even when it looks dark, because you're the light of the world. And so you, you move from fear or anxiety or need into a place of faith and freedom and love. And that's what God wants us to do. It's interesting to note that in the Bible, there was two characters who regularly had face-to-face communication with God. There's a few others who had one-off events, but there was two people in the Bible that had regular face-to-face, and that was Moses and Jesus. They're the two that regularly had face-to-face encounter with God. And that's an amazing thing, because in the Old Testament it says, if you see me face-to-face, you will die. But they didn't die. Is that a contradiction? No, I believe every time you come and have an encounter with Jesus, something dies, but it's only the things that die are the things that aren't Christ-like in your life. You don't have to physically die, but when you get really in God's presence in worship and in prayer, let me tell you, some things will die off your life, but it'll be the things that need to die selfishness, my own agenda, sin, struggles, the fears, the regrets, all those things. As you get face to face with God, they can't stay there because His love and light and power and revelation starts to so fill your soul and mind, you start to think different, you start to see different, you start to respond and react differently. And that's the power of the prayer that God wants us to have. So I don't want to give you a whole lot of do's and don'ts and how-tos of praying today. I want to stir your heart to hunger after a face-to-face connection with our awesome God. The Holy Spirit has come to lead us into the presence of God. Listen to this in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 12 to 18. It talks about Moses. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. When I used to read this, Years ago, I thought they, Moses put the veil on because the glory was so strong they couldn't look at it. That was true. The other reason was that after a while of being up on the mountain with God, the glory would start to fade. So he had put the veil over. So it was two, two reasons why the veil was there. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses read, a veil covers their hearts. But whoever, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's where that verse fits. The Holy Spirit comes to bring freedom and He removes the veils of unbelief, of fear, of religion, of laws and rules and regulations. He brings a freedom in our heart. Then it says, And we all who with unveiled faces 
contemplate the Lord's glory. Wow. God invites all of us into face-to-face connection with our awesome God. You have to come with cringing and fear. You can come with open heart. You are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It says you contemplate His glory. That's why worship and prayer flow together, because worship and thanksgiving helps lift your heart in thanksgiving, adoration. That's why we love to worship. And in your, if you have your prayer time and say, oh, after five minutes, I don't want to pray, put some Christian music on. If, you're, if you can play an instrument, put it on, because that will start to lift your spirit and soul in worship and adoration, thanksgiving. You start to contemplate and think about how awesome God is, and then your prayer will come in into a flow of connection because you're contemplating God, not just thinking about your needs or someone else's needs. It will lift your heart into a place of face-to-face, heart-to-heart connection, and your soul will be satisfied in His presence, and then prayer will flow, and you'll find it hard to stop when you get into that place of connection. Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, Lord, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your way, so I may know you and continue to find, have favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people, the Lord replied. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to me, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. What an awesome God. This is the revelation in the Old Testament. Our God is a consuming fire. But when when Jesus came and the Holy Spirit came, we're now in a new covenant where there's an openness for the presence of God. And we can come into a new place of freedom and uh, response to our God. God, you know, God wanted all the people of Israel to have a face-to-face relationship with them. But when God showed up on the mountain and it said there was, there was cloud and there was thunder and lightning, they all got terrified because they'd been out sinning and their sin convicted them. They didn't want to get close to God's presence. They said, Moses, you go and be our spokesman. You go and talk to God and hopefully you'll come back alive. That's basically how it went. Sure enough, he went up for 40 days. Connection, communication with God. The Ten Commandments were given and lots of other commandments. Came down, they were sinning. And so he smashed the tablets. Had to go up again for another 40 days. And it says he walked through into the cloud, into the presence of God. He was the only one that was willing to because love drew him. And see, God calls you and I, He draws us. Prayer is not a task or a discipline. 
it is a drawing, an invitation of the Lord to spend time with him. If you see prayer as an invitation from God to spend time with him, you will change the way you see prayer. It's an invitation to open up his living word and let it transform your soul. It's an invitation to come and worship and start to be connected to something bigger than you. Because do you know what? You will become like what you worship. If you're fascinated with gaining lots of money, it will become your idol. God wants you to be successful in business and profession and everything we do, but don't let it become your idol. Some people make relationships their idol. It consumes their life. When God wants to bless your relationship, so there's an overflow and favor. And so we see God was calling Moses to come up the mountain. It's interesting to note in the New Testament, Jesus was the other one who regularly had face-to-face encounter. It says often he went up the mountain to pray. Wow, there was some effort. He had to climb the mountain. It takes some effort to get into the place of God's presence. You've got to put the other things aside. There's not many mountains in Harvey Bay, so we don't have many mountains to climb. But you've got to put some effort and put away the mountain of work that you might have to do. You might have to choose to put away the mountain of distractions that might take you. And it takes a little bit of effort to respond to his invitation. The spirit and the bride say, come. We're hungry for harvest and revival, but I feel the spirit of God drawing and saying, come to me come into my presence every day come and worship me come and take time in my work come and press through the mountain of demands and needs and all the stuff and I know there are seasons in our life when you've got more available time when I was young and single I'd often take two or three hours pull my guitar out and go and find a spot in the bush or drive in my car and I'd just pray I remember when I was at work, I worked in a bank, and sometimes two or three lunchtimes, I would jump in my car, drive two k's out in the bush and pray all lunchtime and ate my food, and other days I'd stay with the, the other staff. And there was this passion and hunger when, before I got married. When you get married and you've got kids, life gets busy, we've got into ministry, I still did it, but not able as often. Now the kids have left home, we've got more time to do those things again. There are seasons, some of you are in busy Nappy Valley, some of you are in busy establishing business or study, but I want to say the call is always there to come and spend some face-to-face time with your awesome Lord. Because let me tell you, your busyness will then become fruitfulness because in a half an hour of spending time with him, he'll adjust your priorities and he'll get things in focus. When you're driving in the car, just that 10 minutes of prayer, praying in the spirit, just communing with God, let me tell you, it'll just balance out. It'll take the fear and the anxiety and stress and put it in perspective. And those mountains that will try and swamp you, you will actually climb on top of those mountains and you'll be face to face with your awesome Lord. Oh, I, this, this is my heart today. I'm not going to teach a whole lot on how to pray today, but I just, if we get this right, then he's going to help show us how to do this even better. Oh, God, just draw us. Moses and a few others had a deep relation of trust, but they didn't die. But like I said, the only things that died were the things that needed to die. Self pain regrets the past because the more time you're spending god's presence let me tell you it's never ever wasted i'm amazed occasionally you get people and say oh church went 10 minutes late today and i said yeah 
But if those 10 minutes were valuable spent with God, you've probably saved yourself hours for this week. You say, I can't afford to pray. I'm really tired. Just get up that extra 10 minutes earlier. Go for that walk. Do whatever. You think, well, I'm going to lose 10 minutes sleep, but you'll probably gain an hour's worth of energy by that extra 10 minutes of just getting God in the picture. See, it's all about priorities. And, and, and we think so naturally. And, and God says, hey, I want you just to keep the spiritual in perspective in the, our natural. Jesus was so naturally spiritual and spiritually natural. And yet the key was he spent regular time with his father. I'm amazed he walked away from the crowd sometimes. The miracles are happening. The disciples are saying, where are you going, Jesus? We're in the middle of a great revival. He says, yeah, you keep praying for a while and then join me because I'm going to meet with the Father because I need to get connected for what's going to happen tomorrow. I think, Jesus, how could you do that? That's exactly what he did sometimes. Other times he'd pray and heal them all and then he'd be up at four in the morning and the guys are just snoring away and he'd be off up the mountain to pray and he'd come back and he'd have because the Father would show him what was going to happen for the rest of that day. Boy, that takes a lot of stress out of life, doesn't it? I wish I had that sort of relationship. You can. You can. Doesn't mean he's going to show you everything, but he'll have a heart and you'll be ready to face whatever comes. And sometimes the Holy Spirit prepares your heart. Oh, God, this is challenging my heart. I think I want to go into another, other levels of breakthrough and supernatural. And God, God says, it's all there for you if you're willing to put aside the other mountains and take some time in my presence. I don't find this easy. But when you get in there, you just want to stay there. And I believe God's calling. There's some older folks here and you've got more time on your hands. Don't waste it. Spend quality time in his presence because God's given you a doorway of breakthrough and authority. If you're unemployed between jobs, you can get really frustrated or you can say, wow, what an opportunity to spend some more time with God for a few weeks until I get my next job. It's all about perspective. Oh, God, help us. Draw us. Oh, God. While God knows everything about everybody, he does not know everyone in the way that he would like to. He can give more facts about a person than anyone would ever know of himself. But a relationship takes mutual consent and cooperation. For him to know me, I must open up my heart and give him access to the secret things of my life. It's essential to pray and confess our sin. When I confess my sins to God, I come into agreement with him about my sin being wrong. But a relationship must be built on more than confession. That removes the obstacles and makes a relationship possible. I want to just talk for a couple of minutes before we finish about the transfiguration. What happened on that mountain? It's always a fascinating story in Luke 9, 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John and James with him and went up into a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed And his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not really know what he was saying. Sounds like Peter. And sounds like us sometimes when God shows up, we don't know what to say. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. There's the cloud again. Moses walked 
through the cloud up the mountain to meet with God. There are some times where a cloud of his presence will come into your soul or into a meeting and he wants us to know how to walk through the cloud of glory to meet him face to face. I've been doing a very dangerous thing. I'm reading Bill Johnson's books on the supernatural and one of them is one of his latest ones on face to face with God and it just burns in my heart. And we've seen an amazing ministry around the world with Bill Johnson with tens of thousands of people healed, probably hundreds of thousands of people healed now in a supernatural work of God in a little city over in Redding, California. But when he first started his ministry in that church, he got so hungry for God for eight months, he cried out for the presence of God. He'd been a successful pastor for years and seen God's revival. And then one night, God came into his room for three nights Almost the whole night, the presence of glory of God came and transformed him, shook his life, gave him revelation, and he said, that changed my ministry, and that's why I see the kingdom of God manifest. Now, I'm not saying we all have to have those divine encounters, but all of us, God's calling for you to meet with the Lord. Meet with God. I've had a few encounters with my life that have changed me. I've had three in the last four months of last year that have so significantly shook my life and I know that it's just stirred me for much more. And if we want to see our city changed, God wants more of us to meet with him regularly face to face. Because one word from God can change a whole situation. One redirection of God's heart can cause your business to flourish. One adjustment in your soul can cause your relationships to start to come into order. It's not all about you, but it's about him and about others. God can heal the broken heart. And it's not just for an experience. See, what happened there on Mount Transfiguration? Peter did the classic mistake that most Christians do. What did he do? God showed up. Father spoke. Jesus gets glorified in front of them. And that was to prepare Jesus. He was the son of God, but he was the son of man. And he'd laid aside his heavenly glory to come to earth. And it was like God came and reminded him and brought the glory that he always had in heaven on him for a short time. And Moses and Elijah came, which speak Elijah was spoke about the prophets. And Moses was about the law. So all the Old Testament law and prophets was focused on Jesus coming to fulfill the new covenant. So they came and talked about and reminded him of what all the history had done and helped remind Jesus, the Son of Man, of what he was called to do and that he was going to die and rise again and and bring eternal life for all of humanity. That's what happened there. For a short time, it may have been hours, we don't know, the glory of God came. Peter got so excited, he said, this is the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life. He said, let's stay here. Let's build some houses so we can stay around this experience and enjoy this the rest of our earthly life. That's the mistake most churches and Christians make. We have an encounter with God and then we live in the glory of that for the next 20 or 30 years and don't know how to take it and launch on to the next levels. Oh, God, help us not to camp around when we got filled with the Holy Spirit or a great meeting we had three months ago. God, help us to keep growing face to face, heart to heart, hearing your cry for the broken, the harvest. And Lord, that you would keep drawing us so we keep growing and changing into your image. Remember, the veil goes and we're changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. We're not stuck where we once were.
And I feel the Spirit of God saying, I call you forward as a church. I call you as individuals. I call you as families to run after me. Let your heart come face to face, not just religion or experience, but let your heart run after the living God because He will pour in His kingdom. He will pour in His grace and His life. He will make sense of the things that happen in your life that don't make sense to the natural mind, but the Holy Spirit will turn it into a place, a well of blessing of life, of overflow. And then I can transform the people around you because you are transformed and you walk in His glory. Oh, oh God. And just to wrap it up today, and we'll pick it up again next week. It says they came off the mountain and guess what? When you get off the mountain with God, you're in the valley below where broken humanity lives. The other nine disciples who didn't go up the mountain, they're down in the valley wrestling with trying to get a young man, 12-year-old boy, delivered from an evil spirit that had caused him to be deaf and dumb and threw him in the fire and was destroying the fathers pleading with him. Jesus and the other three disciples come down. They can't get this guy free. The religious leaders are arguing with him. Jesus walks in with the presence of God on his life, takes a hold of it, rebukes that demon, sets him free. The guy falls down, looks like he's dead, picks him up, he's alive. All of a sudden, the whole atmosphere changes. And then as soon as the crowd went, the other disciple says, why couldn't we set him free? Because we could a while ago. And Jesus made this amazing statement. He said, this kind come out only by prayer. Another one says, by prayer and fasting. And I thought, Lord, what are you trying to say? I think what happened was, Jesus sent the disciples out and given them authority over sickness and evil spirits, and they'd seen them released. But I don't think they'd caught on to the power of daily prayer, and that that power and authority is a gift, but you can only keep living in it with freshness and authority if you keep walking face to face with God every day. They had the command, but it's only fresh because you've got to have fresh manner. You can share the scripture you learned 15 years ago, but if it's not fresh today, it can be stale bread, not living, living word. Oh, Jesus. The Holy Spirit's calling us. Worship team, come on down. Sometimes we want to stay on the mountain. We want to, why can't we have church every day? Some people say that would be awesome. But guess what? We have to live... We, we go from the mountaintop to mountain, but we've got to live in the valley of our workplace, in our community where there is people like that family in distress and brokenness. But guess what? If you visit the mountain regularly with God, you will have the word to set people free and bring hope and life and a harvest of transformation in people around us. Ever used to sing a song a long time ago. I love to be on the mountaintop. But I have to go to the valley below and bring what I learnt on the mountaintop to the people below. And I thought, wow, wow. But if you're in the valley too much without touching the mountaintop enough, you'll get worn out and overwhelmed and consumed and full of fear. But if we meet with our Lord often, face to face, you'll carry his fresh word of life His love will deal with the fears and pain and brokenness of your soul. 
He'll keep changing you from glory to glory and it can't help but change the people around us. That's the passion of my heart today. That's the cry of my soul. That as individuals in the church, we learn how to do this well. Because when we do, let me tell you, there'll be thousands of people coming to find out what God's doing. I don't do it just for that because I, but I love him and I love this people. And I love the brokenness of humanity. I don't want to try and sort it out with my own understanding. I need the life of the living Christ flowing through me. Let's stand in his presence. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.